From the Carter Subaru Studios, this is Cairo Nights with Jake Skorheim. Welcome back to the show. I'm Jake Skorheim. Thank you guys so much for hanging out. We got Lisa Brooks here. Lisa, welcome. Thank you very much. You're welcome very much. Matt Butler, hey, welcome, hey. buddy. Good to be here. All right. We got a uh, trivia clip we got to pay off here. Matt, did you know this one right when you heard it? I did. Yeah, you knew it immediately. This is like really in the pocket for us, Definitely. like childhood age. This exactly. is a movie that I have watched a million times. And I have now been able to watch it with my kids a million times. I actually want to watch this way more than they do, but I still love watching it. So, Lisa, I'm going to give you a chance to guess at the clip here. You ready? Yep. Here it goes. It's pretty short, so pay attention. The children are screaming. The children are screaming. Do you recognize that? Harry Potter? No, it's close. Uh, you got the music right. That is John Williams. Okay. Uh, I don't know. I think album. it's John Williams. I just said that, but I don't know if that's true. I think he did that, didn't he? Did he do the soundtrack for that movie? Oh, look. I'm All not right. Sure. Okay. The movie is, Matt, do you want to say the name of the movie? The movie is Hook. Hook. Oh, okay. Steven? And yes, John Williams did do that. Oh. Okay, yeah. It, it makes sense because the music's great. So uh, Hook was directed by Steven Spielberg, yeah. and it's starring... Of course. Robin Williams. Robin Williams, who's yeah. fantastic in it. Julia Roberts. Julia Roberts plays Tinkerbell. Yeah. It's a really good movie. Yeah. And I think it's from 1993, two, one, somewhere around there. That's one of those movies that has just endured my lifetime. Yeah. And I watched it as a kid, and I loved it as a kid. And now as I've gotten older, I've gotten a chance to watch it with my kids, and they like it somewhat, and I think they'll like it maybe more someday, but I still love it, yeah. and so I'm always like, let's watch Hook, let's watch Hook, and then when they get to Never Never Land, and they fight Cap, oh, Dustin Hoffman right. plays yeah. Captain Hook. Yeah. 91, by the way. 91, okay, that, that sounds right, and Dustin Hoffman is a fantastic Captain Hook. He was evil, yes. He is, but he's like very likable. Uh, Bob uh, Haskins, Hoskins, Hoskins, yeah. is that his name? Bob yeah, Hoskins, Hoskins yeah. He plays uh, Smee, he's fit, or Shmee, oh, whatever right. you call him. Okay. He's fantastic, too. Anyway, great movie. If you haven't seen it, it's from 1991. Check it out. All right, let's get to News Roundup. News Roundup, we look back at all the other shows. We talk about what they talk about. In Seattle's Morning News, Mickey Gomez and Travis Mayfield discuss how many people are reaching the point of not being able to afford rent. This Harvard Joint Center for Housing Study, mm -hmm. and it's like, wow. Yeah. I mean, I'm going to be honest, like, I haven't rented in a very long time, so mm -hmm. I'm totally out of the... What, get, bring us up to speed. Okay, what is well, rent? here's the... So, with the rent, and I knew that when we were going to move here, rent was going to be high. Yeah. I mean, the hospital paid for our relocation. We lived in a place for a while. We didn't... We were like, hey, how much is this place that we're living? We're like, whoa. Oh, yeah. $6,000 a month. Get me out of here. So we went looking. We found a place in Capitol Hill for $4,000. We were like, with these prices, we've got to buy a home. Yeah. Because rent is through the roof. In this report, half of all tenants say that 30% of their income on rent and utilities is like it's 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 a percentage that has risen from 2019 to 2022 and that they are at a point where they are having to decide do I pay my credit card bill do yeah. I buy do I put gas in my car do or, or do I pay rent do I pay do I pay my utilities like it's affecting mostly middle income Americans it's wild to think about this because I know that we passed rental protections here we in did. this city for example but David you you and I are homeowners uh, Mickey, and so yeah. like you know, Lisa, I'm gonna pause it there. You have just sighed. Do you have a strong opinion about this? Uh, yes. Yeah. I, I All do. right. I what do. is it? Hit me with it. 
Of course it is. It's been for too long. I'm I'm surprised rent they're be, all rent surprised. Being too high. Yeah, I'm yeah. surprised that they are so surprised. I know that Travis and and Curtis have had had their house for a very long time, and you know, and though I'm I'm loving that they're talking about it. Those are three homeowners talking about it. I am renting. I've been renting since uh, 2014, and it's gone sky high. And have you know, know have it. you noticed an actual change, or has it always been high? It's have more you... than half of what I I earn. Yeah, it's yeah. a lot of money. Yeah. It's crazy expensive yeah. to rent. Yeah. It yeah. really is. Yeah. Used to be a third of your income, and now that it's up used to, to be. half. Yeah. And now you have to you have to prove to your landlord that you're earning, you know, two thirds. You know, th- you're, you, what you're, three you're times rent- the rent. Yeah, yeah you have to do rent. whatever That's the right. thing yeah. is. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. It's cr- it is it is really nuts. Yeah. Like how much it costs to rent. Yeah. Uh, it's also like to buy a place is super well, expensive in, too, with all the interest rates. Yeah, it's just. Very interesting. I right mean, now. I have no. I don't ever expect that I will be able to buy a home. I just, oh, I I've expect written, you can buy I've a home. I've written that off. Completely. No, don't write it off. I believe in you. Maybe not in Seattle. Well, I believe in you, but not in Seattle. I I can't buy a home in Seattle. I don't think I'll buy a home anywhere near Seattle. I used to own a home in Seattle. Uh, in Magnolia, right? I did years ago, but I also owned one that I bought by myself in 2006 and owned it until 2014. And then you sold it in 2014. Then I sold it. I made eleven thousand dollars on that, by the way. Sweet. <laughs> <laughs> Do you, that's a great deal, $11, Lisa. Well done. <laughs> Do you remember when was it? Was it like twenty twenty one, maybe, when you could basically list a house and it just expect that that house was, and this is when interest rates were just through the floor, so low, super super low. I had friends who were buying houses back then. We bought our house in 2020, right when they dipped, yeah. and they got pretty low, so we got very fortunate on interest rates. But then some other friends of ours, they waited, and they got in at like 2.6% or 2.7 or wow. something. It's just mind-blowingly low. But I remember watching, and it was the most frustrating thing, is when you're watching all these houses come up for sale, and you just know that whatever the house is listed at, you go, okay, well, that's just like a... That's just the bait to get me in the door because what they're expecting is they're going to have 25 offers on this house. Yeah, bidding war. And then the house is going to yep. go for $200,000, $300,000 over asking. It happens, yeah. And that's what was happening. Yep. And still to this day, it doesn't happen as much because the interest rates are a lot higher, but still to this day, you're seeing houses go for like easily 100000 over asking yeah. depending on the area. Right. place like Seattle – so expensive. And people that have all cash offers. and I, That to me, I don't even understand how that them. works. I wish them well. God I bless I them. You. But also, what are you doing for a job that you can just buy a house that's a million five for cash? Selling a cheaper house somewhere else or something. But how, but how But how are you doing that? I don't know. 1.5 million, just cash. Boom, here you questions. go. I don't know. It's crazy. But then that all trickles down to the rental market, which has to cover whatever the house. I mean, if you're talking about a $1.1 million house, that's a lot of money. Somebody's got to pay that, and the homeowner's not going to pay that. They're going to if they're renting it out. So yeah, rent's very expensive, but they're surprised by it for some reason. Rent is like kind of in our rearview mirror, hopefully. Yes, but David, you're mm-hmm. in the midst of it. I am. I, I've been a renter for ten years now, and uh, it it started off being a probably twenty percent of of my income. And that's when I was just working in restaurants, just sort of, you know, making ends meet. And it was still, I had enough to save enough to, you know, pay off certain bills. Now it's both my wife and I have full time jobs, you know, 40 hours, if not more every week, Uh, we get paid well above minimum wage, both of us. And every single month it is, okay, what are we not paying for in terms of 
this credit card bill or in terms of how much can we put off this thing that we were saving for so that we can just pay rent and our utilities because kind of doing that juggling that russian roulette we're just deciding which bills you're going to do this month and which ones you're just going to let slip by and they've done research that says most people only have a very slim amount of savings if any to uh, you know, buffer them in case of an emergency. So if something bad happens, this is even worse a situation to be in. You know what, Matt? I want to encourage you strongly. I think you will own a house someday. Thank I you. think you're going to do it. I think you're going to be very, very successful. I think you're going to put that money together. You are aware of what radio pays, right? <laughs> well, you know what? But there's a lot of different ways to make money. Maybe, yeah. maybe radio is part of your income, and then maybe there's some other investments that you get into, or maybe you and your lovely significant other uh, decide to go into a different. I don't know what the future holds for you, but I, I will think... be probably in radio until the day I die. Consult. You love you love consult. radio. Be a consultant. Yes, consultant radio. You can make a lot of money. <laughs> Everyone who leaves radio does just start consulting, and they make a ton. Or they sell real estate. That's true. Which you could also do. People do that. A lot of people sell real estate on the side. But I have a prediction for you, Matt. I believe in you. I think you're going to get a house. I would highly recommend you don't try to buy a house in Seattle. Super expensive. (laughs) Not even going to assume I can. Buy somewhere out of town. Here's what you should do. Find out where they're building Costco's. Ah. Those are the neighborhoods that are on the upswings. Okay. And then- Try to find the cheapest house in the nicest neighborhood in those areas, and as soon as the Costco goes in, your house is worth an extra 50 grand. That. Plus, I love Costco, so it's a win And you win. love a Costco. Yeah. yeah, except they don't have churros anymore. All right, uh, <laughs> Matt, we are running shorter on time, so which one do you want to get to? Gene right, or so Jack and Spike. Jack and Spike. All right, City of Seattle bans throwing batteries in the trash. Let's hear about it. So, I hope it's more interesting than it sounds. Let's hear about it. So... <laughs> Officials say it's time to stop, and so now uh, I guess if you if you do, you have to take your expired batteries to Seattle Public Utility sites, or you have to do a clandestine move where you separate your batteries from your actual trash so mm-hmm. that they can't track them back to you. I guess the other <laughs> put them in your neighbor's trash. <laughs> put them in your neighbor's trash. It's yeah. always been the case that they ask you to separate those, and there's and there's a facility at the waste recycling at the the natural waste, whatever they call the place. Um, solid waste. Natural waste. That's you can drop off toxic stuff. A car battery, for example, has got to go to the hazardous waste dump. That makes sense. You can't take it to a garbage dump. Makes sense. But I love the idea of just throwing it back in the drawer. Then it's like a... Quick quick side note for anybody in Linwood. I used to take my old car batteries. There was this little tiny shop. I don't know how this was a business. But the guy, all he did was buy old batteries, dead batteries. And you would go there, you'd hand him your dead battery, he'd hand you a crisp $5 bill. Yeah, there's somebody on Lake City Way that has a sign that says $5 for batteries right now. Isn't that great? Yeah. Now, here's the thing. If you buy a new battery at any of these, like, O'Reilly parts or whatever that is, they'll actually credit you $20 for your old battery oh. because they can recycle it also, like a lot of these places do. So they, they are trying to recycle your battery core or whatever it is that's valuable to them. And so they will say, all right, well, I will give you a credit on your new battery for, so they'll give you $20 off your new battery if you trade in your old battery. Just a helpful tip if uh, anybody out there is looking for Right, right. I'm, I'm, I'm reaching in. I'm pulling out batteries. Is it good or bad? Oh, now, another loser. Now, Laura, I believe, if I'm correct about this, you actually thought that this was this was already illegal, correct? Yes, and that I'd been breaking the law for years. Right. So this is the thing <laughs> is that this mm-hmm. is this is what the expectation is, and this is why this is ridiculous. You throw your batteries away. Got a couple of double A's. I'm mm-hmm. done with these. Whoop, in the trash bin they go. Then when they go to the processing center, you got the men and the women who cut open the bags. They Mm -hmm. dump everything out. Somewhere in that mess, they have to see two little double A's and they go, aha, I found one. 
They then have to, as the the little thing is moving, the conveyor belt taking the, the garbage conveyor away. Belt yeah. is, they have to then rifle through your garbage or stop the whole process, mm-hmm. find a receipt, a legal document, whatever it is, and then they have to identify you, take it to somebody who then says, "We will track this person down." And then somehow prove beyond a reasonable doubt in a court of law that those, in fact, were your batteries and thus it is illegal in nature. Right. So, so you should throw them in the recycling bin because that way there's letters and envelopes well, with your they, name on they it. Banned easier it. to identify. They banned it, but they didn't really like I mean, it just doesn't really. In what way do you enforce it? That process sounds ridiculous. There's just no way they could ever do that. I don't think they rip open the bags of trash either. I don't think that's part of the process. In C- in the city of Seattle, I was under the impression, I could be wrong about this, but I was under the impression that they are no longer allowed to take pictures. They used to take pictures or look into your trash to make sure that you were not throwing away bad things. Like they would just like eyeball it. I got a ticket once years ago when I was living in Seattle. My wife and I, before we had kids and we still lived in town, we were living in Seattle and we got a ticket because we had thrown something away that I thought was a throwaway but was actually a recycle. Do you remember what it was? Like a takeaway carton, oh. something like that. And it was actually a recyclable thing. And so they said, well, you've thrown something away that's a recyclable. Here's a $15 fine or $5 oh, yeah. fine, whatever it was. Huh. And then the city at some point stepped in and said, that's actually an invasion of your privacy. Yeah. So they can't actually look in your trash. So they stopped being able to fine you. Yeah. Now that still happens other places. It's like that happens in Seattle. You can't get fined. But in other places, they can still take pictures of your trash. I've gotten pictures taken of my trash where I currently live up north. Uh, I'm sorry, my my recycle. I don't know. I don't know how they're doing this, but I guess when they dump it into the thing, it also takes a picture to see what's fallen out. Huh. So you can also get uh, tickets that way. But I don't think they're going to be able to peg you on two little batteries. I think this whole thing is to really raise awareness. We're talking about it right now, so maybe a bunch of people who have been doing it for years go, oh, I didn't know that was illegal. I'll just start putting it in this box over here. Yeah. And taking them someplace else. I know I will do that now. Do you guys uh, ever store batteries in the freezer? No. No. Have you heard about that? No. People do it because it saves the battery's energy somehow. It like it like keeps it fresher longer hmm. and like I don't know I don't know why it works, but it does. Hmm. So that's another good thing to know. Learn something from you today. Yes. Education. Finally learn something from me. All right, John and Sherry, a UFC fighter and OnlyFans model suggests Taylor Swift's relationship with Travis Kelsey is a setup. What? I'm UFC ready. fighter. Okay. UFC fighter. Um What's the person's name? Paige An OnlyFans model, this Van Sant, okay, who Joe said is a terrible fighter, um, claims that Taylor Swift and uh, Travis, their relationship is completely and absolutely fake. The point of this being yes. why okay, this applies. Yeah, let's get to the point. Yeah. I think yeah. that the it. Taylor Swift, left. Travis Kelsey love story, Yeah, I believe it is 100% fake. Oh. I truly believe it is publicity <laughs> oh. to... The Swifties to, are going like, to be after you. Come for me, Swifties. Swifties Every, you know what? You. I have UFC fans coming for me. I think I can handle the Swifties. <laughs> this is true. Yeah. I, which, no, I think there's going to be Swifties who don't believe she's too good for Travis Kelsey. Anyway, uh, that's true, too. Yeah. But whatever side you fall on, yeah. I believe it is 100% fake. It is publicity. It is, one, it's huge for the NFL. Yeah. Whether you think so or not, because yes, the NFL is big. Yeah. Taylor Swift is huge, and now she's getting an entirely different demographic to come watch the NFL. Yeah. That never was interested in it before. Okay, so this falls under the category as we have our tin hats on, which I do believe this happens. You go back to the time of the Romans, it was known as bread and circus. 
And it was a way of keeping the populace quiet and satiated and distracted. You give them bread and you create things for them. So they would have the gladiators would fight. Um, They would throw bread to everybody. The idea is that it just keep people fed, fat, happy, lazy, distracted. There's bigger things going on, but the media covers this sort of stuff rather than stuff over here because you just want to give the bread and circus to the people. Do you guys think that this Taylor Swift, Travis Kelsey relationship that the NFL is obsessed with and that we're all talking about, do you think it's real or do you think it's fake? Please don't say it's fake. I don't I don't think it's a setup. See, she in the long form of that was telling a story about how when she started to get famous, her agent connected her to somebody who was a athlete and wanted to date her. And he advised that it would be good for her career to be seen dating this person. So she's got a real skepticism about she as in Taylor Swift. Uh, No, the uh, UFC fighter. Oh, the OnlyFans model. Yeah. Gotcha. So I don't think it is. I just think people are so cynical that everything now has become a conspiracy. Famous people meet other famous people. They seem to have a cute relationship. She shows up and supports her boyfriend at the games. It's bringing attention to the NFL and diversifying the fan base. I don't see anything negative about this. Lisa, do you think it's real or are you a cynic? I don't care. Yeah. I could care less about this story. Now, Lisa, let me ask you this question. What? Why don't you care? It Whatever. Honestly. Do you hate? Do you hate their love? See, I, I actually, my my best friend and I went away for a few days over over the Christmas holidays, and and she was mentioning this, and I was, I'm like, I just, I really don't care. Now, Lisa, I have a problem with that because we're all supposed to care. I don't. A care. lot. We're all supposed to care a lot. If you watch an NFL game, there's a lot of shots of Taylor Swift, so clearly they want us to care. I don't care. Are you sure? Yes. Let me tell you one more thing about the two of them. No. Please? <laughs> no. All right. Well, they're both really rich, and they're both moderately good looking. Does that make it any more interesting no. to you? No. Okay. All right. Fair enough. Lisa doesn't care. We're going to get you to care, because they are America's couple, and we love Taylor Swift and Travis Kelsey. And I think everybody should. Everybody should care. Can you guys imagine how fun it's going to be when they finally get married? And they have a wedding that I hope is broadcast live in the middle of an NFL game, maybe even a halftime somewhere. That would be so much fun. And then someday when she's not touring and he's not playing pro football, they have a kid. That kid would be like the most perfect kid. Am I right? You're actually drooling. You are drooling right now. No, I'm with you. I don't care. I don't care at all. All right. uh, We got a lot more coming up. None of it's going to be about Taylor Swift or Travis Kelsey. Yay! I promise. We'll be right back here on Cairo Nights. You're listening to Cairo Nights with Jake Scoreheim. All right, welcome back to Cairo Nights. You guys have heard me on this show many, many times talk about my kids, as I have mentioned countless times, much to the chagrin of many of my listeners who text in and say, quit talking about your kids. Uh, but I can't. It's just, I don't know, it's just like my whole life, so I can't stop talking about them. This is my place to complain. That's why they hired me on here. So I could come on here, I could complain to you guys about my kids, and you guys are supposed to help me with that. That's what this is. This is free therapy. So I wanted to talk to a couple of friends of mine. They have kids who are just a slightly older than my kids, and so I thought it would be fun to just like have them down here. So I have my buddy Paul. Paul, hello. Hola. 
I have my buddy Nate. Hey, Jake. Good to have you guys. Yeah, it's great. See. This is this is kind of like I thought we'd do kind of like a panel, you know, where we're just like on the like, like you it. look at major news networks. You bet. You bet. CNN. They have a ton of people. Uh, Fox News, they have a ton of people. But mm-hmm. on our show, it's just me. Like on my, I even call it R to make it sound more people, but it's just me. It's just my show. So I thought it'd be fun to have you guys down here, and I can ask you guys questions. You can give me advice as parents. I like it. Does that sound good? <laughs> it's kind of like it's like the first line of uh, like uh, like in a battle scene. We're out in front in the yes. parenting. We fall in. No, no, no. We- no, no, no. Jake's out in front. We're behind saying, go forward, go forward, go forward, <laughs> go true. forward. Well, yeah, got, that's a great idea, Jake. You, got, you and, try that. And people yeah, may it. recognize Nate's voice. Nate was a guest once, maybe yes. about, what, two months ago? Yeah, I think about that, talking two, cycling. Two and a half months ago, talking about cycling. You bet. You have a very, fi- uh, on this show, you have a very famous injury yes. in your nether regions. Yeah. And I won't tell everybody what that is, but. <laughs> they can go back and listen to the They can go back and listen to if it. they want to. But all I want to say is you are a person who now has just one. Testicle. Testicle, yeah. Oh, you said it. That pretty much sums it up. That's right it. There. That's I mean, that's it. Actually, you had a horrible biking accident, yeah. and it yeah. ended. Yeah, so it was bad. But the story of how he got that uh, single, uh, I don't know if he, yeah, testicle. We can say it uh, is very, very funny. So you guys should listen to that and check it out. Find it on the podcast. All right. So here's the situation that I find this morning in my house. So every day is kind of crazy. Uh, I wake up. One of my kids inevitably always wakes me up at like 5.30 a.m. You guys are probably past that stage. No. Paul, how old are your kids? 7, 14. 7 to 14. And the, the, the seven-year-old every day, Every day you're still getting that. she's waking me up. Boom, boom, boom. All right, Nate, your kids are older. Yeah, though. I'm lucky. I'm at the 18 and 15 stage. So I'm like on Christmas morning, I'm waking them up at like 9 a.m. saying like, it's time away. to open. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. So I'm the, yep, I've been there though. So my kids always, one of them, I have three boys, as you guys know, I have three boys and one of them always wakes me up super early. And this morning, my oldest son is super excited because last night, he had a basketball practice, and he got, like, player of the practice. I don't know why they did this, but they decided to give out uh, yo-yos every time somebody's oh, no. player of the practice. <laughs> now, I don't know why. Practice? Like, giving eight-year-olds yo-yos <laughs> seems like right. a dangerous yeah. idea to me. Uh-huh. So uh, he shows me his yo-yo this morning, but he is he has never done a yo-yo. I don't know okay. why. Yo-yos were huge when I was a kid. Yep, yep. And I remember doing them all the time. Sure. And But a yo-yo is a thing that he's never done. And so he's like, how does it work? And and so I'm like, oh, I can actually show you. And this is like pretty great, actually. So I, because I have this ability to make it go up and down. Right. I can also You're a walk, master. I'm a master. <laughs> yeah. I can walk the dog. Uh-huh. I can also do the cradle thing. Do you guys know yeah. the cradle oh, thing? Oh, yeah. Cats, yeah. Uh, the, yeah. It's Whatever. not cats it's in the cradle. It's not in the baby. cats in the cradle, but no, it's like no, no, a baby, baby cradle. cradle or, baby, yeah. rock, it, rock, rock the cradle. The baby. Yeah. Rock, rock the baby. Yeah. Baby fish mouth. Baby fish mouth. So I can do that. And so my kids, my, like all three of my sons, they're eight, six, and four. They're standing there watching me. And I go, oh, watch this, guys. And I go, yeah. and I, so I make it like stall. Yeah. And then I whip it back up. You flick your finger and it comes sure. back to you. And then I walk the dog and they just go, their minds are blown. Dad is a magician. <laughs> Honestly. <laughs> Why have you been keeping this from us? Yeah. Dad? <laughs> all of a sudden, the respect in my children's eyes that I have never seen before just for mediocre yo-yo tricks yeah. was like yes. nothing I've experienced. Yes. And I'm like, oh, I'm going to chase this feeling. I'm going to keep this going. <laughs> you ever seen Rock the Cradle? <laughs> and like I tried an Eiffel Tower and that yeah. didn't work yeah, out, but sure. they were still yeah, thrilled yeah. by it. So I'm trying to teach them all now one by one how to like, and it's, I mean, it's impossible to teach a kid to yo-yo. It's a feeling. It's almost like whistling. You can say, here's what it looks like to do it right. Yeah, put your lips together. Right. And blow. Shape it. But at the end of the day, they have to feel it and do it. They can't. Yeah. They can't. They just right. can't yeah. yo-yo. Yeah. And so this 
ruins their morning because they have just watched me do amazing tricks. Yeah. Show me the magic, Daddy. And then yeah. now they want to know how the magic yeah, is done. Yeah. And so then I end up, I'm like, I'm chasing these kids around when they should be eating breakfast, getting ready for school. Now I'm chasing them around because they're swinging yo-yos over there. <laughs> one yo-yo. And I'm like, put the yo-yo down. And I'm just having, I'm like just an out-of-body experience because the, the level of, you guys understand this as parents. Yeah. But the level of chaos yes, that yes. they can achieve in a very short period of time yep, is not something that you are ready for until you have kids. And even then, you're not ready. And you, and you just can't expect it. You can't plan for it. Mm-hmm. So I'm wondering, like, when does the yelling, I yell every single day. Yes. I'm screaming at these kids every <laughs> single day. And I'm just wondering, now, Paul, you have two girls, so yeah, your opinion yeah. on this is not as valuable. Yeah, but it's higher pitch, though. <laughs> That's true. When does the yelling stop? Many parents would tell you it stops when you stop yelling. Oh, has your wife ever said, "Well, the reason why they're yelling is because they learned it from you"? Do you ever hear that? Yes, she's yeah, yes, I have heard that. Okay, well, you should listen. You should listen to her, dude. Here's the age. It's probably going to be five for all of them, five or above, maybe six or seven. I know, but my eight-year-old's who I'm yelling at. Right, right. And I think what you're talking, and I think Jake, because they're all boys. It's like a locker room mentality. Yes, there's a level that one hits, and then the other one has to be heard over them. Yeah, and they kind of go over, and then you have to be heard over all of them. So then you set a new bar. So here's my question for you, Jake. Do you have a tone where you drop it significantly, and they know that's Dad's serious tone? Is that the de-escalation where you can be like? All of a sudden, dad's quiet. You, usually what I have to do, honestly, because I, I do yeah. have a voice I shift into. So right, like, I'll sure, be like, all right, sure. guys, put the yo-yo down. Put the, the yo-yo zone. down. Put the yo-yo down. <laughs> you sound like Batman. <laughs> Get over here. <laughs> you don't want any part of this yo-yo. <laughs> Back up. <laughs> Back up. Yeah. I, will, I, I literally have to, I, what, I, what I have to do to make them stop. Yeah. There is just this synergistic thing that's happening with three of boys. Yep. Yeah. I have to remove one of them from the equation because with the three of them, it's like a it's like a, a Bermuda Triangle. Sure. Just craziness. Yeah, absolutely. So the chaos, it need I need to divide and conquer. So I have to literally lift one up and I take them out of the room and I place them in a different room. And then the other two are like can start thinking straight for some reason. They can like they're they're deprogramming or something. So it's kind of like those beta fish, you know, when you go into the uh, yeah the fighting fish, like the, yeah. The, yeah, yeah. the pet shop, and there's like two pieces of glass, and the fish are trying to kill each other. But then you drop something in there, and then the fish go back to being docile. Yeah, you basically have three beta young fishes, male betas that scream at your house, and you just need to put dividers between them. I that's a good idea. It sounds expensive. Or or you give them tasks. Like I, tax is a good idea. That's a like good cho- thing. Like chores. Like oh. yeah, you distract them because they're they're cycling on a topic and an idea. And if you can just get them off that train and like, hey, let's we're gonna go do this or let's go do this. That's actually really good advice. And I I have stumbled upon something similar. So like yes. this morning, everybody's going crazy. I'm scre- right. like I'm way too much screaming about a yo yo, and. My wife, you know, she comes out. She's like, "What is going on?" Yeah. And I'm like, just I'm realizing like that I've been pulled into the chaos, and I'm sure. not I'm not behaving like an adult at this right, point. Right. So I'm just screaming. As, I'm You're just way the oldest than, boy out of four boys yeah, in the room. Yeah, a child's <laughs> toy stuck to your finger. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. My wife walks out, and I'm screaming, "Drop the yo-yo!" And I'm like walking the dog across the floor. And and then I realize what I I see the scene from her point of view, and I'm like, "Oh yeah, I don't know. Let me step back. Hey boys, you know, yeah. and I calm down. Yeah. I act like yeah. a great dad. But what I did was I sent my oldest son, I said, all right, go brush your teeth for school. Task. Yes, task. Middle son, go put pants on. Yes. Task. Yes. Youngest son, you look like you got to go to the bathroom. Task. Yep. Redirect them to the goal. Send them out. Yes. 
go do your things. Right. And then hopefully it all just quiets down. Yeah. So that's when you left for work, like right after that. <laughs> right and then I say, gotta go, sweetie. And I left. And I just left it with her. I haven't talked to him since, so I hope they're okay. They probably that was, are. That was like two weeks ago. That was two weeks ago. <laughs> okay, I, yeah. I do have this picture though. I think the first mistake as a parent was the fact that you you put one yo-yo in the midst of three boys. Yeah. Ooh, that's like one lawn dart for yeah. like eight kids at a party to play with. Yeah, exactly Everyone's right. getting stabbed. No, yeah. everyone, everyone needs a yo-yo for sure. That's, that's no, what I think no, it is. But the trick is nobody needs a yo-yo. No one At this does. age. At eight, six, and four, nobody needs a yo-yo. They don't have the motor skills. Fair. They don't have the patience. Yeah. And they're not as good as their dad. And they're very destructive. Yeah. I mean, they're well, yeah, no like a helicopter walking through your house. Yeah, no kidding. And they don't understand, you know, inertia I'm and momentum. It. I'm and, doing it. And you know it's just one loose finger knot away from that thing going from a yo-yo to a bolus flying but through I have the this, house. And I got to wrap this up. But, okay. like, but I have this also this instinct where I have this special unique skill yes. in yo-yoing. Yeah, yeah, right? you do. You can I do have hours tricks. and hours of yes. skill that I want to show these kids. I yep. want to blow their minds. I want to look like the best dad in the world. Yeah. And so my wife's sitting there. She's eating breakfast. And my kid, I'm like, all right, I'm going to show them one more trick. Well, you want to show how great of a husband you are, too, to her. Like, she's like, look at what kind of dad I am. Hun, and, That's you right. Know. No, yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah, 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 yeah. But really, I just wanted to like it's, want to show the it's an ego thing. I want to show <laughs> yeah. the tricks, and so I'm like, watch around the world. And I go, <laughs> like spin it around, yeah. and it was just it was a bad way to end the morning. Um, but I really appreciate the advice. Tasks. Task. That's what I'm taking away from Redirect. this conversation. And in your case, Paul, have girls. Just have, have all girls. girls. <laughs> yep. if, if you had all girls, it'd be fine. We wouldn't even be having this issue right now. No, there's all no right. yo-yos. All right, uh, that is Nate and Paul. Thanks, you guys, for hanging out. We got a lot more coming up on the show, so stick around. We're going to be right back here on Cyber Nights. You're listening to Cairo Nights with Jake Scorheim. Welcome back to Cairo Radio. I wanted to tell you guys a story because I found this just fascinating. Are you guys interested in Amelia Earhart? Actually, if my audience even remembers that, like, are you old enough to even remember who Amelia Earhart was? She was a famous flyer back in the 1930s. She took off for an around-the-world, I think it was an around-the-world trip, and her plane went down. And it's just this bizarre story, and she just disappeared off the face of the earth. Well, the Wall Street Journal has this really interesting piece. Apparently, there's a commercial real estate investor from Charleston, South Carolina, who thinks he may have found her aircraft. After all these years. So listen to this. This is from Wall Street Journal. When she disappeared on her most ambitious trip, what she hoped would be a record-setting journey around the world, it sparked a decades-long mystery. What happened to Amelia Earhart? That's a pretty good beginning. Tony Romeo, a pilot himself and a former U.S. Air Force intelligence officer, is the latest in a string of adventurers to plumb the depths of the Pacific Ocean in search of the plane that Earhart was flying in 1937, when at the peak of her fame, she vanished. So the Wall Street Journal talked to this guy. He was a commercial real estate investor. He spent $11 million of his own money trying to uh, do these really deep-sea sonar scans to try to find... Uh, Amelia Earhart's Lockheed 10E Electra, which was the plane she was flying at the time. And Romeo said he has plans to return to the spot where he thinks he found her plane. And he got a really good image. You can see this. It's at Wall Street Journal if you're at all interested in going and seeing this. And the picture is really, really fuzzy. And it just looks like a sonar scan. So it's not even, you can't even really tell that it's a plane. However, it does look like the outline of the plane that she would have been flying. He says, this is maybe the most exciting thing I will ever do in my life. I don't know if that's a really good thing to admit. Uh, he says, I feel like a 10-year-old going down on a treasure hunt. 
and he describes for you guys how famous Amelia Earhart was at the time. Now, this she was a pioneering uh, pilot. She was a woman, and she did all these record-breaking things that were that were amazing. And he basically says, for anybody who's unfamiliar with her, it would be the same thing. Just ima- He says, for her to go missing was just unthinkable. Imagine Taylor Swift just disappeared today. The most famous person on the earth just disappeared. So I looked into this a little bit because I didn't really know much about the Amelia Earhart flight. I knew about Amelia Earhart. I didn't know the history of it. But on July 2nd, 1937, she and her navigator, who's a guy named Fred Noonan, took off from Papua New Guinea. And right near the end of their historic trip, they had planned to refuel on this island. Now, the island was uninhabited. And so what they did was, in anticipation of her landing the plane on this island, they built a runway and they loaded up a ton of fuel so that she and her uh, navigator, Fred Noonan, could land on this runway that they made just for her and refill with all these you know, cans of gasoline for her plane. But she never arrived. Uh, Earhart and Noonan took off from Ley into a strong headwind. That's the island in Papua New Guinea. Operators listened to Earhart's radio message as she flew across the Pacific towards Howland Island. That's the island where she was supposed to land. And a half degree north of the equator. The Coast Guard said, stationed near the island, estimated that their progress by the strength of the radio transmissions. And they said that the radio transmissions were so strong when they were coming in that the radio operator went outside and looked up in the air, expecting to see Amelia Earhart land on this island, but she never did. She was never seen again. So this guy has gone down, this Tony Romeo has gone down, and he thinks he found the plane. They're going to go back out there and hopefully find it. It's in 5,000 meters of water, so it's very, very deep. And, you know, that's probably why it hasn't been found in so long. You think about how long the Titanic was down there, and that's the ship the size of the Titanic. This is just a tiny little aircraft. So it's, you know, pretty, it makes sense why they haven't found it. As I was looking into this, though, I was interested in what Amelia Earhart sounds like because I have never actually heard her speak. I've seen countless pictures of her. I know that there's that movie with Hilary Swank who played Amelia Earhart that uh, people seem to love, but I've never actually heard her. So, because this is radio and it's an audio medium, I went back and I found an interview that Amelia Earhart did with the BBC right after she became the first woman to complete a solo transatlantic flight. Now, the audio is a little fuzzy because it's very, very old, but it's kind of interesting. Here it is. How far out were you when you first had the engine trouble? It wasn't exactly engine trouble. I, it was the exhaust only, the exhaust manifold. I should say I was three hours out of Harbor Grace. Where did you actually make your landing, Mr. Huff? I cruised inland until I found a suitable pasture. I landed there after frightening all the cows in the neighborhood and rolled up to the farmer's front door. Who was the first person you saw? The owner of the land came out. I think he, he was surprised to find an airplane in his front yard. I'll bet he was. I should have felt much more responsible had anyone been with me. It was really a relief to be alone. What are your immediate plans, Mr. Hoff? Well, I hope to go to Rome to the conference of transatlantic flyers in a few days. And then shall you be thinking about going home? Yes, it's time for me to go home then. I love the music that they put at the beginning and ending of that. Uh, so that's Amelia Earhart. In case you're wondering what she sounded like, there it is. Uh, so they might find her plane, and if they do, I'll let you know. I know you guys are on the edge of your seat to find that out. All right, we got a lot more coming up next hour. It's going to be a lot of fun. It's our third hour. It's where we really get to chill out and just uh, have a good time. So stick around for that. We're going to be right back here on Cairo Nights.